Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. When the church prays, that's the name of this series that we've been going through over the last two weeks. It's been such a great joy to look at what happens when the people of God begin to pray and call upon the Lord together. You know, the Bible shows us that when the people do that, then God responds in powerful ways. Mighty things happen, powerful things happen when the church comes together to pray. And over the last two weeks, we've looked at the two first two things that happen when the church prays. The first thing that happens when the church prays is that the church is changed. We've seen that in the book of Acts. Uh, these scared Christians, these people who were hiding away, when they began to pray and they were filled with the presence of God, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they went out in boldness and they, they became a new people. They weren't afraid anymore. And they began to tell everybody about Jesus. The second thing that happens when the church prays is that the, the gospel is preached and the lost are saved. You know, there's this new passion to share about who Jesus is and all that Jesus has done. And, you know, people respond to that gospel message. That's what we looked at last week. And you can head over to our website or you can head over to our YouTube channel to catch up on those previous messages. But today we're going to come to part three of this series, What Happens When the Church Prays. And today we're going to be basing ourselves in Acts chapter 12. We're going to skip forward a bit in the book of Acts. And this is what it says, Acts chapter 12, verse 1 to 5. It says, About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Today we're going to look at another thing that happens when the church prays. And that is when the church prays, miracles happen. I believe that our God is a miracle working God and that he still performs miracles today. Now, as we jump into Acts chapter 12 here, we see that it was a very difficult time for the church. The church was growing. News, the good news about Jesus, the gospel was being spread through all the different regions. It was going from Jerusalem to Samaria. It was going to the ends of of the earth. People were sharing about Jesus, the fact that Jesus died, that he rose again, and if you put your trust in him and turn away from your sin, you can have eternal life. And people were accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The church was growing very rapidly. But as a result of this, there was much persecution. And we see that the king at that time, his name was King Herod Agrippa. And Herod was an evil king. He was the grandson of Herod the Great who ordered all the babies to be killed in Bethlehem at the time of Jesus' birth. He was also the, the, the nephew of Herod Antipas who was the king at the time when John the Baptist was beheaded. He had John the Baptist killed. So it's fair to say that this king, King Herod Agrippa I, we can see here that he was an evil king. He was part of an evil family who were always scheming, who were always trying to go about killing the people of God and trying to destroy the things of God. They were a murderous family. And not only that, this king and this family, they also hated the Jews and they were despised by the Jews as well. The Jews hated them because of what? 
they had done to their people. And Herod, he knew that the Jewish people despised him, but he wanted to get them on side. And so uh, uh, the way that he thought that this could happen was by persecuting the church. He thought that if he persecuted these Christians, these people who weren't following those strict Jewish traditions, then he might win favour of the Jewish people. And so Herod, he has several of the believers arrested. Some of the, the key apostles, those first 12 disciples, he had some of them arrested and killed. Some of the leaders within the church, for example, James, the brother of John, he had him killed. He had him beheaded. And now we see here the Herod, he actually arrests another one of the church's leaders. In fact, one of the central leaders of the church. He has Peter, the disciple who we all know, he has him arrested. But you know, I'm so glad what Peter goes on to write in one of his own letters later on. We see that Peter writes, he says in 1 Peter 3 verse 12, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. You know, I'm so glad today that no matter what the people of God face, no matter what you and I might face, no matter what trials we might go through, no matter what enemies rise up against you and me, the good news is that God is always in control and he is still in control today. He's in control of our lives. Our God is sovereign over all. He reigns over all. And so when the enemy tries to come against us, we must realise our God's actually in control. God knows what he's doing and he has all power and all authority. You know, we might not always understand his ways. We might not understand why he allows things to come into our lives and why things happen to us. But we must remember that our God is sovereign over all. And we can take comfort in that today. And you can take comfort in that. You might not know why you were going through that storm, that difficulty. But know today that God is in control. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Our God never abandons his people. So the church was facing persecution. One of its main leaders was arrested. So what was the church going to do? Was the church going to run away again to and hide in another upper room? Were they going to be afraid? Were they going to turn on their faith? Were they, were they going to pack it all in? What was the church going to do in this moment? Were they going to lose their faith? I love what it says in Acts chapter 12, verse 5. After Peter's arrested, it says, But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. I love that phrase. The church prayed. That's what they decided to do. They didn't know what else to do. They couldn't call on different people. They couldn't ask the, the security at the time. You know, they, they couldn't call on different people to help them in a situation. They couldn't get the military involved or try and get soldiers involved. But instead, they turned to their God. They began to call upon God. They didn't know which way to turn. Just like Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament when surrounded by the enemy. He didn't know which way to go. But I love what it says in 2 Chronicles 20. He says, but my eyes are on you. Our eyes are fixed on you. And that's what the people of God did. In times of persecution, when the enemy was against them, when their backs were right up against the wall, the people of God didn't look around, they didn't look down, but they fixed their eyes upwards. They lifted their eyes towards the King of Kings and towards the Lord of Lords. And we, we must realise that this is the turning point in this story. We must never forget the power of a praying church, how powerful a praying church is. We must never underestimate that. And then we read in verse 5 to 6, we read about the situation with Peter. Peter was arrested. He was in prison. 
But the church began to pray and they prayed passionately, earnestly. The Bible tells us they were actually praying day and night for over a week for Peter and they were focused solely on praying for Peter. That's, he was the centre of their prayers and that's a powerful thing when we begin to pray over one thing and united in heart over one thing. But you know in verse 5 to 6 in Acts chapter 12 we read that Peter, he was in prison. And he wasn't just in just a cell on his own. In fact, he was chained to two Roman soldiers. And there were actually guards outside the prison cell as well. This guy was, he was being protected. He had all these guards around him. Around him. You know, I'm sure the Herod and, and the jailers, they thought that something might happen. So we're going to just double up on security here. We're going to get the guards involved here. And not only that, it was more than likely, not only was he in prison, but it was more than likely that once he went to this trial publicly, that he would actually be executed for his faith in Jesus, for belonging to Jesus. That's the only reason why he was in prison. It wasn't because he did anything wrong. It was just because he believed in Jesus and was preaching about Jesus. Can you imagine what Peter was going through? Can you imagine the fear that must have been in his heart? Can you imagine the torment that he must have been facing? But actually, we read in the Bible that Peter wasn't afraid. Peter wasn't, wasn't scared. But actually, listen to what it says in verse 6. It says, the, the, the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. What was Peter doing? Was he pacing back and forth? Was he worrying? Was he trying to come up with a plan? Was he trying to form the words that he was going to say when he was put on trial? What was Peter doing in this moment when he was possibly facing execution the next day? Peter was asleep. He was fast asleep. In fact, the Bible tells us that he had to be woken up by the angel a little later on. We'll see that in a moment. But he was fast asleep. He was out for the count. How is that possible? Would you and I be like that in our situation? I wonder, are you like that today with the, the storm that you're facing and the circumstance that is surrounding you right now? The enemy that is around you? Do you, can you sleep tidily? You know, I know that whenever I'm going through a difficulty, I struggle to sleep. But you know, Peter here, he was fast asleep. How is that possible? Well, I believe the first reason why Peter was fast asleep was because the church was praying. As I said, never underestimate the power of a praying church. And it's so important for us to pray for one another. Don't underestimate that, that we are to lift one another up before God, support one another, hold each other up. Like with Moses in the Old Testament, how there were two people, Aaron, and we see Joshua holding up his hands during the battle. We need that support and we support each other in the place of prayer where we pray for each other. Never underestimate that. I believe that's one reason why Peter was able to sleep because the church was praying for him. He was being brought before God. Secondly, I believe the reason why Peter was able to sleep was because his eyes and his focus and his trust was completely in Jesus. He knew, Peter knew, that his life was in Jesus' hands and not in Herod's hands. Listen to what it says, Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3. It says this, it says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I wonder today, do you need the peace of God? Are you worried? Is the enemy tormenting you? Are you feel, do you feel overwhelmed by anxiety and by fear about the future, about your life? 
You know, the Bible promises that when we fix our eyes on God, we will have that peace which surpasses all understanding. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be gripped by fear. But Jesus wants to set you free from that fear today. I believe God wants to speak his peace into your situation. Know today that that circumstance doesn't hold your life. Your job doesn't hold your life in his hands. You know, your boss doesn't. That family member doesn't. That friend doesn't. That circumstance, that sickness, your life isn't in their hands. But know today your life is in the hands of a God who loves you, the God who created you, the God who is for you, the God who's fighting for you today. Your life is in his hands. Know that today. And so Peter, he rested, he was asleep in, in this moment. And I believe the third reason why Peter was asleep, because G Peter remembered Jesus' promise to him that he wouldn't die until he was of old age. And know today that as we trust on God's promises, as we rest on God's promises, it brings comfort to our soul. It brings strength to our soul, knowing that no matter what comes against us, that if God has said it, he will accomplish it in our lives. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his people. And he's faithful to his promise. So Peter, he's in prison and he's at peace in prison. He's fast asleep. And I love what happens next because the church was still praying for Peter. And what happens next is a miracle. Listen to this, Acts, 7, Acts chapter 12, verse 7 to 11. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent an angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders have planned to do to me. You know, I love what the Puritan preacher Thomas Watson once said. He said this. The angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. What happens? Peter's in prison, the church prays, and God responds to the prayers of his people, and God sends an angel. God performs this incredible miracle. God sends this angel to Peter. Peter's so fast asleep and so much in peace that this angel has to kick him and wake him up. He tells him to put on his sandals. He tells him to put on his coat. And Peter, he obeys the word of God. He obeys this angel. And you know, it's important for us even just to remember that, that while God does the extraordinary, we still have a responsibility to do the ordinary. Peter here, he had to obey the instructions of the angel. Peter gets up, he does that. His chains are completely set free. Our God is a miracle performing God and he's able to set, the, set free all those who are bound. The prison doors miraculously open. They walk past the prison guards. Basically, Peter's invisible here. People don't even see him. He walks straight out the front doors and out into the street. And he comes to this realization. He thinks it's a dream. But he comes to this realization. God has performed a miracle right here. God did the extraordinary. Nobody saw them leave. But God did the extraordinary. And then Peter here, he goes to the house of Mary, who's the mother of John Mark, and he begins knocking the door. And the church are inside this house and they're all praying. 
And this girl, Rhoda, she goes up to the door and, and he, he's knocking the door and she, she leaves him at the door. He, she sees Peter and she's in disbelief. So she goes to the church and says, look, Peter's standing at the door. And the church is like, don't be so silly. Don't be silly about that. You know, Peter can't be there. He's in prison. You don't know what you were saying. You know, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, even sometimes when the church prays, there can still be that element of unbelief. And these people, even though they were praying and trusting in God, they still doubted the fact that God had already answered their prayers. But, you know, they, they did. They opened the door and Peter came in. And I love what it says in verse 16. It says, meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. He was outside for a long time. But it says, Peter continued knocking. And when they finally opened the door, they saw him and they were amazed. God performed a miracle. A situation that seemed impossible, God made possible. Oh, God is a miracle working God. God set free that believer who was captive. God set free Peter. But I also love what happens next as well. Just five days later, the Bible tells us that not only did God set Peter free from this prison cell and perform this miracle as a result of the church praying, but actually God had King Herod killed. King Herod contracts this bowel illness and he's killed. You know, and it's amazing to think of that, think of that even today, that instead of Peter being killed by Herod, Herod is killed by Peter's God. You know, I want you to know today that our God fights for us, that our God is for us and he's able to defend us against our enemy. I'm glad that our God brings about a defeat to all of our enemies. So as we come to a conclusion today, you know, this isn't the first miracle in the Bible. Time and time again, you'll read throughout the Bible of miracle after miracle, God performing miracles and God answering the prayers of his people, how God delivers people from impossible situations. And, you know, maybe... You're watching this today and maybe you've heard that and you think, yeah, look, this is a great story. It's a nice story, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know about the impossible situation that I'm going through. Maybe you're watching this today and you're doubting the fact that God is a miracle working God. Maybe you've never seen God perform a miracle. Maybe you've asked God for a miracle, but it's just never happened. But today I pray that God's word would come to you and that faith would rise in your heart to believe that God is able to perform a miracle. Because when the church prays, miracles are performed. I believe that God can perform a miracle in your life. And I believe the miracles will become the norm as we pray as a church. That's what I'm praying for and believing for. The Bible says in the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. He says the miracles and signs and wonders shall occur. And I'm believing for that. I'm believing the sick shall be healed. I'm believing that those who are bound will be set free. I'm believing that God is going to perform mighty miracles. You know, the greatest miracle of all is salvation. Seeing those who are dead in their trespasses and sin, being raised to life by the power of God through what Jesus has done. You know, when the church prays, powerful things happen and miracles happen. When you and I pray, miracles happen. When the church prays, miracles happen. You know, there are some miracles that happen as a result of us getting alone with God, but there are other miracles that happen when the church comes together and prays, when his presence comes in a different way, in an extraordinary way. And I believe that can happen online, but also in person as well. When the church comes together to pray, powerful things happen. There are always results. Darkness is driven back. People find Jesus as their Lord and Savior. People are healed. The miraculous takes place. I want you to know today that our God is a God who performs miracles. He's the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who our God is and we can trust in him. Know today in 2021, our God is still in the business of performing miracles and I believe he wants to perform a miracle in your life. So when the church prays, 
miracles happen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk. Have a great day.